All right, well, we're going to finish up our series that we're calling Stone Tablets. It's about the Ten Commandments. And so when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he listed two. So he didn't answer the question directly. He gave extra information. So let's look at that. Mark 12, 29 through 31. Jesus says what the greatest commandment is, and then he continues. So there's got to be something there. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So Jesus was not asked, what are the top two commandments? He was asked, what's the number one commandment? And yet he gave the top two. So these must be interrelated. There must be some connection between the two. And so how do we understand this? You know, the first command, the greatest commandment to love God only makes sense. To know God is to love God. If you don't love God, you either don't know God or you've been told some lies about God's character, who God is. If you think, you know, that God has done this terrible thing, well, then you've been told some bad theology because God is good. And so if you don't love God, there's something wrong with your understanding of who God is because the natural response to knowing God is to love God. Is the natural response to knowing people to love people. So we're to love God and we're to love our neighbor. Is the natural response, has that been your experience in life? Whenever you've met a person, you thought, I just love this person. Or have there been a variety of different responses? Because the logical progression in knowing God is to love God. But the logical progression in knowing people is that people hurt each other. They sin against one another. They do damage to each other. They have conflicting interests. And so it's more difficult to love people because it doesn't come naturally because a lot of times they just simply don't deserve it. God does, but people don't. So What's the deal with that? How do we understand this? Why would God ask us to do something that sometimes is even inappropriate? You know what I mean? Like, love these people that don't deserve it. Why would he ask that? Let's look at it this way. Have you ever had a really close friend, someone that you really liked, and they had kids, and you didn't like their kids? (laughs) That ever happened? Now, if you were to say to your friend, I really like you, but man, your kids are obnoxious. They are rotten, worthless human beings. Wow. Hey, you want to go get some pizza? You know, how would that go? They go very poorly because they love their kids, right? Even if they are obnoxious and and doing all these terrible things, they still, they're rooting for them. They're hoping for them to get better. You know, they plus they've got, you know, the rose-colored glasses as they look at their kids and they're like, my kids are awesome. And they, they love their kids. And so if we hate their kids, it's going to affect our relationship with them. So in this broken world with all these messed up people that are hard for us to care about, hard for us to love, what does God think about them? What's God's perspective on That person that is our neighbor, that is our brother or sister, that might be our enemy. What's God's feelings towards them? Let's go to John 3.16, and it'll be very obvious. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
God so loved the world. And by the world, that's talking about the people, the broken people, the sinful people, the people who are doing stuff wrong to other people in this world. He loved them so much, not just enough to say, okay, well, you're forgiven, but leave me alone, but to redeem. For Jesus to come here, live life as an example, and to die as a sacrifice that our sins may be forgiven. That's the depth of love that God has for all people. And so if we hate people, if we hurt people, it's going to affect our relationship with God. Because if we're going to come into alignment with God, we need to love the people God loves. We need to share the heart of God for this world. And so the rest of these commands have to do with how we relate to people. And it's very important in our coming into alignment with God, but it's also very important in our ability to serve God because God is about bringing his love and his light to this broken, hurting world. And now those who believe in him become part of that process of bringing God's love and God's light to a hurting, broken world. We don't bring hate. We don't bring disdain. We don't bring anything that's negative. We bring the good things of God. So let's look at these next commandments and see how we are to relate to people. So let's read the the remaining six of the Ten Commandments from Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 12. See what we've got here. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So we have these next commandments that have to do with our relationships with other people. Now, we're in the New Testament era. We're not in the Old Testament time of law. We're in the time of grace. We're in the time of the Spirit. So how do we understand this? Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, explained how we transition from the Old Testament into the New Testament. And some people think that Jesus has lowered the bar, but the fact of the matter is Jesus has raised the bar. The followers of God now have a higher expectation because it's not just about behavior. It's about our heart. So let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, and let's see what Jesus has to say here. He says, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. We're still here. So the law is still in effect, but it's been completed. It's been fulfilled. It's a new way, the way of the spirit, the way of the heart. So let's look at these different commands and tie in some New Testament scriptures and try to get a feel for what God is looking for. Exodus 20 verse 12 is honor your father and mother. So we go from loving God to now honor your earthly father and mother. You can see how we've hit some challenges immediately when we get to this next one. Because our God is worthy of all of our praises. 
But our parents are flawed individuals that make mistakes. Some have made profound, dramatic mistakes. And God says, honor your father and your mother. People who aren't going to deserve that, like how God deserves our honor. So how do we approach that? The first thing I want to say is, is we walk by faith, not by sight. Dishonor does not help this situation. If you've got a bad relationship with your parents, you had a bad example, dishonor doesn't make it better. But instead, when you add honor in out of obedience to God, then you're at least doing your part. Add honor in. Faith goes first. We walk by faith, not by sight. So you've had some terrible experiences, terrible relationships. Add honor into that. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to follow in their footsteps. You know, you can honor someone and disagree with them at the same time. You can change from a wrong life pattern into a godly life pattern and still honor your father and mother. So that is something that God asks us to do. He commands us to do is to honor our father and mother. We see a picture of this in first Timothy chapter five, verses three and four. And then verse eight is what we'll read. First Timothy five, three and four and eight. It says this, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. So here is talking about a time before there was a government that would take care of people. You know, now we kind of have aid. There's ways that you can get some help from the government. But back then, you just ran out of food. Well, then you didn't eat. That was the way that went. And so people needed some help. And the question was, how much was the church supposed to help versus how much was a family to help themselves? And here it's saying that, you know, if there's a widow that has no family, the church should help that widow. However, if there's family, if there's children or grandchildren, then those people are the ones who need to help. They need to step in. They need to help each other. And so the family is the first line of defense. And then the church was the fallback position. Then the church will help after that. And verse 8 is said so strongly. If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You know, like, that's not holding back at all, is it? Like, that's extremely strong. But this is so much a part of honor your father and mother. Do what you can to take care of them. Do what you can to honor who they are. And if you can't think of something to honor with the individual, think of something to honor with the position. You know, without your father and mother, you don't exist. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like they, they played a role in that. And so we need to be thankful. We need to honor. It's part of what God is calling us to do continues into the fulfillment of the New Testament. Then the next commandment, thou shall not murder. I'm so glad we live in an environment where there aren't a lot of murders. Here, you know, in this part of the United States, it's pretty good. And it's, it's just, it's nice to live in a stable area where there's a rule of law, but there are parts of this world where people are being killed just because there's instability and it's just, it's just a mess. So, of course, we want to not murder. 
But what's the fulfillment of it? You know, Jesus in Matthew 5, 21, 22, he's talking about what it means in the New Testament to understand this command to not murder. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Well, yeah, it's in the 10 commandments. Verse 22. But I tell you, look at the authority that Jesus speaks with. You've heard the 10 commandments, but I tell you, that's amazing. This is the fulfillment he's bringing. He's raising the bar. He's bringing it to the next level. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Rakah is answerable to the Sanhedrin. That was an insult of some sort. But anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. That's pretty strong. You fool. How many people have said something worse than that to somebody? But anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. So what is Jesus saying here? I'm going to translate it in Pastor Mike speak. Okay, so you refrained from murdering them. Good for you. That's a good start. But you haven't reached your full potential as a follower of God by just refraining from murdering them. There's more work to be done in your heart. There's more things that need to happen in here. Again, that's a good place to start. But now let's deal with your heart. Let's get past anger. Let's get past bitterness. Let's get past wanting to do them harm, but holding back to the place where now you can love your enemy, where now you can pray for those who persecute you, where you can get to the place where you've got a reason not to love that person that Jesus died for but you've grown to the place where you can extend love to them while being fully aware of the situation. That's where Jesus calls us to be in the fulfillment of do not murder is to deal with anger and to get our heart right. That's a powerful step up. It's amazing, but that's what God calls us to do. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to play the victim. You can get out of an abusive relationship. That's perfectly fine. You can set things right in your life. That's good. But when you're harboring bitterness and anger in your heart, it will eat you up. And so you need to get free from that. Plus, it will hinder your ability to walk with God. Years ago, I was dealing with an unforgiveness situation. And I was trying to forgive and I was not successful. Anybody tried to forgive and you were not successful? (laughs) And I was working for a year. And I had working, working, working for a year to try to forgive. And I, it wasn't working. You know, I'd say all the right things and I'd say it loud and all that. And, and it just, I wasn't able, you know, I'd, I'd say, Lord, I forgive these people. And then 15 minutes later, I'm dreaming about choking them. And I'm like, oh, I guess I haven't really let this one go. And I was sitting at a stoplight and just asking God, you got to help me with this. Cause I could feel I was fading in my relationship. You know, I, I could to tell it was affecting my walk with God. And I'm like, Lord, you got to help me out with this. And he just gave me just a little quick revelation that unforgiveness is opposition to the cross. I thought, oh, I kind of need the cross. I kind of, I best not be opposed to the cross. And so at that point where I was at, that's what I needed to hear. And I was able to just say, okay, it's yours to avenge. You repay. I'm letting this one go because I don't want to, I don't want to oppose the cross. It's not a place I want to be. But the point of this command is to deal with the heart not just to deal with the behavior, to get past murdering, of course, but to get past anger and bitterness and resentment and holding sins against other people. 
The next one, it doesn't get any easier. Do not commit adultery. In Matthew 5, 27 and 28, Jesus gives the next level for this one. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So how many people have heard you can look, but you can't touch? That's not in the Bible. Okay? That is not a Christian principle. Again, you know, I guess refraining from committing adultery is a positive step. But you haven't reached your full potential in Christ by purely refraining from doing something that you're daydreaming about. There's more to it than that. Here, looking at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Jesus is saying it's one thing to stop the behavior, and that, of course, is good. But we need to get our heart changed so that we don't have lustful hearts, adulterous hearts. We want to get in the right place. Bible talks about adultery. So let's just have a a short, candid conversation. Does that sound good? Pornography is a big problem. This is talking about looking lustfully. I would say that pretty much fits pornography real close. So how do you get free from that? Because it's a huge challenge. Statistics are just mind-boggling. I'm going to reference Jim Gaffigan. Anybody know Jim Gaffigan? He's a comedian. Yeah, he's funny. He's pretty clean. He's a good guy. And in one of his his sketches that I was watching, you know, we're talking about adultery, so this is going to be a little bit on that line. He said something that just piqued my interest. He said, no one wants to know the stripper's backstory. And I thought, yep, it's a dehumanizing thing. You don't want to know who they are. So here's the deal. If you're having issues with pornography, with lustful thoughts, with these sorts of things, uh, specifically dealing with pornography, first of all, just don't, don't do it. Okay. Step one, don't do it. All right. Does that always work? Pastor Mike said not to. So for the rest of my life, I'm free. Here's the deal. Here's, here's a thing I want you to, to try if you're not having success. Fill in the backstory. You're looking at something you shouldn't be looking at. Think, I wonder what that person's childhood was like. I wonder what their relationship with their father was. I wonder what they dreamed of being when they were a kid, when they grew up. I wonder where they're at right now, the things they've been through. I wonder what they believe about themselves. And just fill in the backstory, and you'll start to see things differently than you did before. And you'll get to a a closer place of having the heart of God for a human being that Jesus died for. The next commandment is don't steal. Don't steal. So, of course, this is a, a ratcheting up. We see the New Testament as the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. There's a ratcheting up. Don't steal. Okay, don't take stuff from other people. Let's go to Ephesians 4.28, a New Testament verse that talks about stealing. Ephesians 4.28 says this, He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. So here we see a positive alternative. So don't steal. Instead of stealing, work. Earn some money. And don't spend all of it. Keep some so that you can give to other people and help them. So go from the sort of person who is taking from others. And you know, there's, there's more ways to take from people than to, you know, steal their lunchbox. There's lots of ways to take from people. So go from the sort of person that is taking to the sort of person who is working and producing extra so that there's something to share with others. 
So instead of taking, you give. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. When we get to the place where we can give instead of take, then we are walking in this command to not steal. The next one, don't lie. Don't lie. What's your relationship with truth like? How are you doing with truth? Walking stride for stride with truth? Or is there a hide and seek going on? little pretending here and there, a little denial. I tell you what, our God is a God of truth. And the devil is the father of lies. Jesus described Satan as the father of lies. And that when he is lying, he's speaking his native language. That's the devil's language is lies. What's your relationship with truth like? I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I think I was a reasonably good kid. But I met this Christian girl Trinette, you know, married now, and she didn't lie to her parents. I'd never met anybody that didn't lie to their parents. Not giving young people, don't, don't, shh, just don't listen to this for a little bit. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> the old people wanted to be under a certain impression. We wanted to do some stuff. There's an easy way to make them both work, you know? And then I, I meet this girl, and she does not lie to her parents. And her mom would ask her questions like, is there anything you need to tell me? And she would say, well, you probably would want to know about this. And you'd probably want to know about this. And she would just say everything. I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) But she had a good relationship with truth. She knew that truth was her friend and that lies were not. She knew that the devil works good under the darkness where people don't see. And she trusted her mom and her dad. And so when they asked a question, she would answer and she would do the whole truth, nothing but the truth. You know I mean? She, she let it all out. Let me tell you, that'll straighten a young man out. So <laughs> very significant. When you know that the mom is going to hear everything, you become more self-conscious. And, <laughs> but it keeps you on the right road too. Let me encourage you, be a person of truth. Don't live a life that requires other people to believe things that aren't true in order for your life to work. If the truth coming out is a dangerous thing for you, you need to change. Because if you're not in line with truth, you're not in line with God. Now, it can be a battle to get to that place where where you feel like you don't have to lie anymore. Let me tell you, living a life of truth is freedom. It's an absolute blessing of freedom. So don't lie. The last one is don't covet. Exodus twenty seventeen. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. To covet is to want, to be jealous of, to desire. So don't covet your neighbor's house. Don't covet your neighbor's wife, their employees, their car or their truck, their business or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Don't want their stuff. Don't want their life. Don't wish you were them. So the 10th commandment is basically God saying to you, don't compare yourself with other people, but be content with who you are and what you have. This is an Old Testament heart command. Be content with who you are and what you have. Now grow. Become more. Reach your full potential. Believe that you can get to another place. Amen for that. But don't compare yourself to others and bring yourself down. 
Don't go on social media and think, oh, my vacation was not nearly that good. Oh, my wife doesn't do that for me on my birthday. Oh, yeah, nice car. I appreciate you got a new car. That's fantastic. You know, uh, (laughs) don't compare yourself with other people. Imagine if you could fully obey this command to not compare yourself to others, but to be content with who you are and what you have. What would that do on the inside of who you are? How many people are working so hard to buy things they don't need to impress people they don't like? You could just be free from that. Just be free. Don't covet. These are powerful, powerful commands. What would the world be like if even just the people who claim to be following Jesus just did the Ten Commandments? What would this world be like? Then there would be a light shining in the darkness. Then there would be the truth of God being shown to this whole world. It's happening some, but the potential is greater. Last week, I asked you to respond to the message by pledging to follow the first four of the Ten Commandments. I want us to pledge to follow all ten of them this week. If you weren't here last week, you got to get those ones in too. But how many times have you tried to follow some of these commands and you, you just, you failed? It didn't work. You tried, it didn't work. You try to love God, but you got some, but why God thing in there. You try to not lie, but you panic and you're trying, but it doesn't work. How do you go from wanting to live these things out to being able to live these things out? I think next week I'm going to do a preliminary to a series. We're going to try to figure out how to take head knowledge and make it heart knowledge how to take something that you know the right answer to, to something that's deep in your core beliefs. And I think the difference between head and heart is why sometimes it's hard for us to follow these commands because we know we shouldn't, but we have a deeper belief inside that is like, yeah, but my life isn't going to work unless I lie. My business is going to go down unless I lie. Instead of believing Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. Instead of believing that, we believe, but yeah, if I tell the truth, my business is going down. So we need to get these things in our heart. We need to get them down deep. And that comes through realizations and through revelation from God. And I want to have our closing verse be Philippians 4.13, which is a, a simple, often quoted verse that says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. All things through Christ who gives me strength. This isn't talking about winning a gold medal. This is talking about being able to forgive, being able to follow the Ten Commandments, being able to be content with what you have and with who you are. That's what this is talking about. So let's seek the power of God. This isn't, I can do all things if I just try hard enough. I can do all things through him. So we must connect with him, get a spiritual touch from God, and then we can walk in new strength in this life. Heavenly Father, you are so good. Thank you, Lord, that you guide us, that you give us commands, that you you explain your ways to us. Again, you don't leave us here to just try to figure it out, but Lord, you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word. Lord, we, we pledge to you that we will walk by the Ten Commandments. We will live those out. Lord, that we will have no other gods before you, not even idols, that we will respect your name that we will take time to be with you and to focus on you and set all the other things aside because you are most important. Lord, we'll honor our father and mother with the challenges and difficulties that are involved with that. Lord, 
We will not, will not murder, but Lord, help us get free from anger. Help us get free from, from having that darkness in our heart. Lord, we won't be adulterous people, but faithful. Lord, help us to get that out of our hearts. Lord, we won't steal, but we will work and have extra so we can share. Lord, we will love the truth and we will not speak lies, speak the enemy's language. But we will speak truth and we will live a life that we can speak truth about. And Lord, thank you that you don't make mistakes. That when you created us, it was not an error. That none of us here are just a, an afterthought accident that didn't even come out right. But Lord, we can be content with who we are and what we have because we have you. We have everlasting life. We are co-heirs with Christ when we put our faith in you. And that's enough. That is enough. So Lord, fill our hearts with your goodness. Fill our hearts with your peace. Fill our hearts with your joy. Fill our hearts with faith. And Lord, help us to love because you first loved us. Lord, for those here who need a revelation of how much you love them, I pray right now by your spirit, you just hit them and show them how much you care, how valuable they are in your eyes. And Lord, that then because you first loved us, that we can love others that are difficult to deal with. Lord, bless us in that way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.